The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. Well, I would say it's no longer the jobs market, it's the talent market. Uh, and, and, and that sounds obvious, but it's, it's not, because I think the world is changing. You know, in the past, the, the, the jobs used to be scarce and the talent was abundant. The world we're, we're moving into is that the talent is scarce, uh, and so people will have to work hard to get their jobs filled. That was Sander van Neurdent, chief executive of Randstad, a near $10 billion global recruitment firm talking about the challenges employers are facing in the current job market. Listen on to hear more about how AI could impact recruitment, what could reverse the great resignation, and whether the global hunt for talent will survive a downturn. Welcome to The Exchange, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views that explores some of the big questions in business and finance with expert guests. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. The job market became red hot after the pandemic. Companies scrambled for scarce talent as workers in their 50s downed tools in what became known as the Great Resignation. Van Nurden runs Randstad and says there is high demand for his company's services across Europe and the US as companies look to fill gaps, particularly in sectors like pharmaceuticals and warehouses. So why then is his company's share price worth less than it was before the pandemic? Listen on to hear this fascinating conversation. Sander, you are very welcome to The Exchange. Thank you very much, Amy. Well, this feels like a really important time to discuss the global job market. And what better person to do it with than the CEO of a recruitment company that deals across the UK, Europe, America? You obviously have a very good view of of what we are seeing. So I, I guess, Sander, I just want to start off fairly broad. How would you characterize the job market at the moment? How would you characterize the kind of health of the job market at the moment? Well, I would say it's no longer the jobs market, it's the talent market. Uh, and, and, and that sounds obvious, but it's, it's not, because I think the world is changing. You know, in the past, the, the, the jobs used to be scarce and the talent was abundant. The world we're, we're moving into is that the talent is scarce, uh, and so people will have to work hard to get their jobs filled. And that's sort of a switch. And this is not like a switch. You 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 switch on uh, from one day to another. Uh, this is a, a process that we've been in for 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 a while now. And that process, especially in the more mature markets, will absolutely uh, continue uh, because populations are aging, uh, meaning there is uh, uh, there's more work to be done uh, by fewer people for more people. As I as I say, it is as simple as that. It's a trend that is going to continue for the next decades. Uh, so that's where the job ma- jobs market or the talent market, uh, to, uh, to paraphrase my own words, uh, uh, is. Uh, and that has very important implications. And Sander, I, I definitely think that we saw this during the pandemic where so many companies were trying to hire uh, tech companies particularly. But we have seen definitely in recent months, we've seen companies really start to cull staff. So companies that were aggressively hiring are now sort of laying off staff in the thousands. So Deloitte is one, uh, Google was doing layoffs. I'm just kind of curious, how how do you see those sort of, how do you kind of put those layoffs into the perspective of this, of this still, this big hunt for talent? 
Yeah, I would say the most uh, simplistic way of looking at it is after the pandemic, there was an enormous pent up demand. And so everything was going up. We needed more people. We needed more tech. Uh, we needed more of everything. And I think uh, we have uh, mistaken that for a trend to, uh, that would continue. Uh, but uh, because the demand was more penned up, uh, you know, it sort of came down and it is coming down now to more normal levels, I would, I would say. So that is how I would see it. Um, uh, if you look at the big tech companies, they have just sort of pruned uh, all their initiatives and, and projects and product development uh, uh, projects, uh, sort of looking at, um, you know, do we really need that? Is there really going to be a business case for our clients? Are clients willing to pay for that? Not so, not so, not so sure. Um, so I think it. I call it more pruning and going back to normal than uh, anything to worry about. Uh, actually, uh, I was just yesterday at the Microsoft CEO summit, all about artificial intelligence, and and if you see the possibilities of AI in the workplace, it is quite it's quite phenomenal, uh, and that's going to be a major wave over the next uh, over the next years, where the technology will continue to develop, uh, businesses will continue to be looking for uh, for use cases. Uh, and, and productivity gains will be made by applying those technologies. So that underlying trend of technology ever progressing is not is also not going to stop. I think that that AI I definitely wanted to touch on in this conversation because that is I think for a lot of people in their jobs now they're sort of in some senses panicked that their job could be completely made redundant or eradicated and I would imagine as a recruiter do you fear it in any way that you know companies may not meet, need as much staff? They may not need to hire as many people because, as you say, this technology can just streamline a lot of things. They can replace with 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 people who maybe were doing sort of mundane tasks. They now can actually use machine learning to do that. Yeah, this is of course a discussion that has been going on forever. I would say even since the invention of the steam engine. Um, and this is always the question. Uh, and the answer to that is, I would say yes and yes. Yes, um, there will be roles that will change or that will disappear or gradually uh, disappear. Uh, you know, think about uh, data entry, admin work, uh, those types of uh, those types of roles. Uh, but they will be replaced by new roles. Uh, you know, developing those new use cases, applications, etc., that can be used in the in the business environment. And the other thing I would say, and this was actually also an interesting insight from uh, from the meeting I was at, is there's this notion of the co-pilot. Uh, so AI or the technology assisting and helping people to do a better job. Uh, the AI helping the doctor to make a, a better and faster diagnosis. Uh, AI, in our case, helping our recruiters uh, to write the job descriptions and to uh, make the matches. And we're actually already we're already doing that. So yes, that will continue. But I don't think, uh, let's say, it's uh, all jobs will be sort of massively displaced. No, I, uh, this uh, the, the technology assisting people, I think, is a very important notion to uh, to keep in mind. And and from the the kind of clients you deal with, are there industries that are much more excited about this than others? When you when you kind of speak to them, are there areas where they're very excited about how much AI can help their business. 
I would say AI is attractive uh, and will affect all knowledge workers and industries where there are a lot of knowledge workers. So think technology with programming, uh, think uh, banking, uh, where there's a lot of uh, knowledge working going on in terms of compliance and risk management. I think consulting, uh, where the AI can assist uh, executing consulting projects. I think uh, auditing, accountancy. So where there are knowledge workers and where the tasks are not so structured, uh, but based on, on, on insights and, and processing uh, and making uh, analytics, I think that is where AI will have uh, its most uh, profound impact. Okay. And maybe, Sandra, if we move away from AI and just to the sort of the general like jobs market that we're seeing at the moment, are there geographies where you see much more recruitment activity than others? Is the US still the kind of hottest market for, for hiring? Because I suppose there is, there is a sense of a, maybe a bit of an economic slowdown now and companies sort of figuring out, you know, do we need all this staff? Do we, do we have too many staff for actually for, for what's coming? Yeah, so I think, as I said, there's a bit of a return to normal. Um, it, it is, um, if you, it, it's not so much the geographic markets where you see the activity, it is more the industry markets. Yeah? So technology, yes, has come down, uh, but you should always keep in mind if you have a company of uh, 100,000 uh, people, 10 to 15,000 people will move on in any given year. So you, recruiting will always have to take uh, place. And that's true for banks, that's true for consulting companies, that's true for pharma. Um, so uh, on the longer term, sort of the industries that are, are hot, technology, pharma, uh, healthcare, uh, uh, logistics is, is definitely still an area of a of, of lot of opportunity. And then I would say uh, industries that have some relationship with, uh, with the energy transformation. Uh, so the move to renewable energy, the energy distribution and transmission infrastructure that goes with it, uh, different ways of um, uh, generating energy and managing energy in your home or in your building, all those uh, industries there are there will be there, there will be there will be new skills that will be in uh, in demand. And um, for those people who you know are being recruited in those in those uh, sectors. I mean, again, after the pandemic, we saw such a shortage of workers that workers really were in the driving seat in negotiations about where they wanted to work, how they wanted to work, how much they wanted to be paid. I mean, do you do you think that that again, that sort of that dynamic has, has shifted back more in favor of the employer now again? Or how do you see how do you see those discussions when you're involved in them? Yeah, I would say it's shifting back slightly. Uh, Only slightly. No, yeah. Let me and, and and let me tell you why I say that. First of all, unemployment uh, here in the U.S. is at 3.5 percent. In most markets, it is at levels that are historically low. Um, so that's uh, that is sort of one important data point to keep in uh, to keep in mind. Then, if you look at the supply side, people by and large have come back to work after the pandemic. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of more supply uh, getting into the market. Now, I will tell you, I, uh, if we look at our research, what is on people's mind, uh, where maybe be, uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, 
20-25% uh, people would be concerned about their job. That has gone up to 35%. Yeah, so that's what I mean with slightly. So it's on people's minds. Uh, uh, the other thing that plays into that is, of course, uh, you know, uh, the whole notion of flexibility and uh, what are employers saying and what do employees want. Uh, I saw a stat just earlier this week that here in New York, the uh, occupancy in the offices is now back at 65% uh, of the pre-pandemic levels. That used to be, let's say six, nine months ago, it used to be 50%. So you see people uh, returning back to the office uh, because their employers are requiring it. And uh, also because they think, well, if I'm not going back to the office and my colleagues are, then I may have, I may have, I may have an issue. So yes, it's shifting back, but it's the pendulum is not going all the way in the other direction, and I don't think it will because of the talent scarcity that we uh, that we discussed. Yes, I mean, I find it funny this this whole situation about the sort of the remote working because it seems like on the one hand companies are kind of saying we want our staff in, we want the, you know, we, we see all the benefits of them meeting in person, there's no substitute for that. But at the same time, they're also seeing an opportunity of cutting down their property costs, cutting down their rent bills, reducing the amount of space that they need. And again, I'm just sort of curious, what are the conversations you have with people? Because both of those things are difficult to marry together if you want to reduce space, but you actually still want all your staff to come in. Yeah, I think they are. They can be married together um, if you if you if you land somewhere in the middle. Uh, uh, and, and what do I mean by that? In Randstad, we talk about flexibility with intentionality. And what does that mean? That means we are here to do a job. We are here to help our clients and our talents, and that's number one. Uh, if if that requires you to be in the office, you come you come to the office, and there's no no discussion. Uh, but that can be different for the team that you are in. Uh, if you're in the finance team uh, and you're closing the quarter, that's a good moment to be uh, in the office. Uh, if you are uh, in, in one of our recruiting teams and you need to do interviews, some of which can be done virtually, but some of them can be, should be done in person, you, that's the moment you come to the office. Um, so, and then you land somewhere, people being in the office, somewhere between, let's say, two and four days, depending on the role. And, 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 but two, between two and four days, that's not five days. So you, lead, you need less space while still providing the, the, the flexibility. And every uh, organization, depending on the industry uh, they're in, depending on the culture they have, depending on the views uh, of management and, and how they trust or do not trust their, their employees, um, uh, has to find its own, its own path there. Uh, and, uh, and that is still a work in progress. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing. Yes. And I mean, you talked uh, a little bit earlier about the whole notion that the people of the pandemic that, you know, that were out are now back in the workforce. But you did obviously see this, the big resignation, as it was called, you know, these people who took early retirement were either burnt out or just thought, you know, their maybe their priorities shifted while they were in lockdown and and they didn't want to work anymore. And you do see countries like certainly like the UK trying to figure out ways of bringing those people back into the workforce, offering all sorts of ideas like, 
you know, tax free uh, durations and um, loads of flexibility. Do you think there is a way to get those people back into the workforce or is it sort of a bit of a lost cause? No, absolutely. And uh, in, in, in that respect, the economic cycle uh, uh, that we are in now helps a little bit uh, because also our research shows, for instance, uh, people who are sort of uh, 55 plus, um, uh, they're realizing that, you know, they had maybe the idea to retire at 61. And they said, well, now if I look at, at my 401k, uh, uh, maybe I, I have to work till 63 or 64. So that, that helps. Um, the other thing that helps is, uh, is how employers offer uh, shape roles, uh, offer flexibility. Um, uh, you know, payment always uh, helps, uh, uh, but, uh, but also, you know, how uh, pleasant or how comfortable is the work environment uh, in, in the office. So there's a lot more to it than, than uh, tax and pension uh, savings, so to speak. Uh, and that is, uh, that is something that employers need to realize. And I, I, I like to say, you know, you should almost start to try to treat your employees as customers because you, you need to be an attractive uh, employer in, in the round and, uh, to, uh, to attract people back into, uh, into the workplace. And I, and I suppose another group um, that I think maybe is, is out of the market in, in certain countries or, or is not as visible is women who have children, right? That there is there is this issue with how child balancing childcare with the, the amount you get paid in your job. Again, do you see a country that is doing well, better than better than others at, at, at actually managing to keep these women in the workforce? Well, it is interesting, uh, let's say the country that I'm from, Netherlands, um, there's a very high participation of, uh, of women in the, in the workplace. At the same time, many of those women work, work part-time because that works better uh, with uh, work-life balance. So I think those flexible schemes, uh, maybe with, uh, with a per combined with part-time, combined with childcare, but let's not forget, uh, you know, the partner at home also needs to chip in in doing the work at home. Uh, and that is not always the case. And that's, of course, a big cultural uh, thing uh, in, in, in many markets still where, you know, two partners uh, in the marriage, they need to they they need to define who's who's doing what. And it cannot always be one person doing everything, because, you know, if you want to have two careers, you need to divide those roles uh, and tasks as well. And I think that debate uh, is also uh, is still is still ongoing in many homes, I think. Absolutely. And the, the other question I have for you, Sandra, is just looking at your share price, Randstad's share price, you know, where, where it was before the pandemic and where it is today, it's obviously below where it was b before the pandemic. And I'm just sort of curious, how do you how do you interpret that? How do you think investors are seeing sort of the recruitment industry now? Um, and it's sort of, you know, I guess it's 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 future. Well, investors look at the recruitment industry as uh, as very much related to um, to the, the state of the economy. That's 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 one uh, that's one thing. The other the other inter and that sort of uh, makes it that we are in those cycles. The other thing, if you just look at our uh, profitability, our absolute uh, EBITDA over the last ten years, there's only two years that it has gone down. 
uh, and that was in in 08 and in 20 with the pandemic so the the cyclicality of our industry i think is a little exaggerated in the eyes of the investors and and that's why you see the stock price sort of going up uh, going up and down but long term again uh, talent scarcity tal uh, talent is now a sea level issue um, we see uh, clients asking us for more services, help us find the talent, help us create the talent, uh, help us coach the talent to be successful. Um, so, so longer term, talent scarcity provides a lot of opportunities uh, for us. So I'm, I'm bullish about the future of Ransat and, and the future of our industry. And that idea of retention, I think, is a very interesting one, because I do think that is something that, again, companies were sort of struggling with the idea of like that, that, you know, if workers were working remotely, that they didn't have that same sort of loyalty and and all of that. Again, do you think that that is that is an issue that that maybe workers aren't as committed or as loyal to maybe a brand or or their or the company that they work for? Yeah, I think, uh, let's say the bonding takes place, uh, you know, in the office or at the workplace between teams when they go through, uh, you know, uh, interesting um, uh, meetings, experiences, exercises, whatever you want to you, you wanna call it. Eh? So uh, I think 100% uh, remote does not help in building a company culture and does not help in sort of uh, creating a strong uh, bond between employer and employee. So it's back to finding that uh, to finding that, that balance. Um, uh, but uh, again, this is I call I like to call it like uh, you know a, a global experiment uh, that we have never seen before at this scale. Huh? So everybody is finding their is finding their way, uh, and and this will take uh, an, uh, a few more years I think to sort of uh, sort out for for all organizations. And uh, you know there are uh, university professors starting to do research into this. You know what works, what doesn't work, how do people feel? So and that all all of that will be coming out gradually over the next couple of years, and we, we will learn uh, we will learn a lot from that. Yes, and I mean I think Sadr, as I said at the beginning of the conversation, um, maybe just to finish on this, is that it does seem like we're at this sort of inflection point where, as you said the economy, like where the economy goes, you know, will dictate how your business does and, and, and you know, whether this the employers go back into the driving seat. If you were to sort of, if you were sort of to predict over the next year, what do you think is, is likely to happen from, from the conversations you are having with your clients and their, you know, employment plans? What, what do you think is, is likely to be the health of, of the economy and, and the jobs market? Well, the big question is, of course, uh, what the, ECB and the Fed will do with the interest rates and what the effect of that will be in terms of uh, cooling down the economy and, and in general economic activity. Um, uh, what is interesting, uh, you know, a year ago, uh, we, we sort of started to see a, a, bit of a, a bit of a slowdown. Then along the way, we had a few people, um, uh, Jamie Dimon being one of them, there was the big hurricane uh, coming i haven't seen the hurricane yet uh, so um uh, my base case is we're going to have another couple of quarters of uh, of mediocre economic growth and things can pick up from there now i will tell you uh, let's say with things going on in banking and and the risk of the fed and the ecb overshooting there's there is a downside a downward risk there 
um, but it's hard to hard to quantify uh, quantify that. But my base case is uh, going sideways uh, a, a, a little longer and and things picking up uh, by the end of this year or or in in the first half of next year. Very interesting. Well, Sander, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed that that conversation. Uh, plenty to think about. Yeah, no, great to have the conversation, Amy, and uh, good luck in the workplace, I would say. Thank you. You too. Thanks for stopping by. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to The Exchange and our sister podcast, The Views Room, on Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with our latest views and much more on BreakingViews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at BreakingViews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.